Hello and welcome back to e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host Matt Lady. Today I'm joined by Joel and Joel works at the Out Loud group and they are all about influencer marketing. Joel, what is the number one mistake early brands do with their influencer marketing? Yeah, thanks Matt. Thanks for having me. Um, okay, the I mean the the number one mistake. Well, it's it, one. It's difficult to isolate number one mistake because there are so so many to choose from. Um, two, I also would say that there isn't a mistake that um, smaller brands or newer you know brands make that are not also germane to the mistakes that big, well-established brands make. Um, so let, let me let me say something positive first, just before I start hammering um, people's mistakes, if that's okay. Um, one, s- smaller, newer, younger brands um, tend to be much more open to the the, the nature of influencer marketing, um, that they get that they need advocacy, um, that they get that they need people with credibility in whatever their space is to lend their credibility to them um, versus bigger, older, more well-established brands um, are very much ha- have a very difficult time getting out of the model of this is why my brand matters to us based on our customer insights and based on our market research. And this is the message that we need to hammer. And any derivation of that message uh, shall not be tolerated. Um, it's difficult for them to get out of their own way, which is why, you know, you don't see um, you don't see, uh, you know, older consumer packaged goods brands that are very well established, very well funded, actually doing influencer all that well um, or at all. Even in, in many cases, you don't see, you know, we're we're in Detroit. We've got the big autos um you don't have the autos doing influencer all that well um because they they cannot imagine a scenario where they're not running a 30 second commercial on sunday night football and like that's really their apex um particularly you know for the truck divisions which are their only profitable divisions um so anyways all, all that to say there are things that the younger brands do really well younger brands get that they need they need advocacy they need community um these tend to be run by people who grew up um and that you know they don't have a whole lot of working memory of the pre-internet generation um and they get that if you don't have cred online then you don't have cred um and there isn't any such thing as any other kind so i i want to say that piece is smaller brands newer brands younger brands um they they get um where do they go wrong um one um they go wrong because they want to enlist an agency to do all of their product seeding for them. Um, and this is particularly true where you have a, you know, a, a heavy VC um, element in the smaller brand and it's being driven by a CFO who is, you know, this is, you know, this all exists on a spreadsheet, right? Versus a founder who is, is actually a product person. They're passionate about their product. They want to establish a community around a product. Those are the ones who are most effective, effectively going to engage because they're going to engage influencers um, as members of a community that they too also belong to. Um, and that's not a criticism of like the, the heavy, you know, VC or private equity model of, of new brands. It's just, this is again like this this exists primarily on a spreadsheet that's where it has its reality and it's far less about what the actual product or community is that they're creating so brands that want to go in and actually create a community um that want to create a lifestyle that want to have um that really believe in having dedicated um 
dedicated fans. So here, I'm going to, I'm going to say something counterintuitive here where I want to, you, you asked me about who, you know, who's doing it well. I want to give a brand that actually does the community building, building piece really well, but they actually haven't done influencer well at all, or at least not in the, in our sense of the word influencer, where they're heavily involved on YouTube and Instagram, et cetera. Um, Saks underwear, um, S-A-X-X. Um, their, their underwear that is made for, uh, more athletic pursuits because they've solved a problem, um, that has plagued men who are doing athletic activities, uh, for years. I'm not going to get graphic. If you need to Google that, you can find out what some of those problems are, um, that they solve and where, where Saks did a really good job is they immediately integrated themselves into a couple key, um, verticals, uh, particularly the Ironman community. Um, the Ironman community is rabid. Um, they are super loyal and brands that can break into that community, um, are, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they've just, they've got like an incredibly sticky, but also an incredibly evangelistic audience. Right. So, Saks was was able to do that. They had a very specific profile of the type of person that was going to be a Saks man. And they actually they knew who they were as a brand and they 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 weren't enlisting people that wanted to tell their brand story. They wanted to enlist people that actually were it, it was the people that they aspired to be like. That's who they wanted to connect mm. with. Right. So they had their image in, in mind of like, hey, this is what a Saks man is. Um, a Saks man is is going to be they're going to be fit. They're going to be athletic. They've probably got a couple marathons under their belt. Um, they have a road bike and they probably do that on the weekends. Um, they are uh, pretty accomplished, tend to be a little bit more uh, alpha types. They're aggressive. They might be a podcast host. They might be an executive um, in their company. There's somebody who's gone out and made something happen. Um, they also, you know, recognize that, um, you know, success is worth less if you don't bring others along and so they want to see people who are going to give back right so they they painted this picture and then they're like cool all right who fits that picture what um what pro athletes actually fit this this picture we're not going to go for the most po uh, popular person we're going to go for the people who are like hey that guy's a really good dude yes he can he can throw a 105 mile an hour fastball but he also this is what he does off field um this is the you know the schools that he's supporting um oh and by the way he's also an entrepreneur and so they crafted this thing and then they're like we're going to step into those communities and we're going to step in with those people and they did a really really good job of figuring out out who they wanted to target and like who actually exemplified their brand um, and then stepping into communities where that type of person um, was was going to exist and, and, and legitimately supporting those communities now all right all that to say, getting back, um, what, are, what are the mistakes that brands make one um, a brand doesn't know who they are or why they exist um, that's not just going to show up in your poor attempts to step into influencer. That's just going to be a problem for you as a whole. Um, two, maybe you have a really boring brand and that's okay. You, not every brand should get into influencer. Um, maybe you have figured out a really, really interesting financing model for leasing pre-owned automobiles. Okay. Good for you. That's awesome. That's a service that someone needs. I've got no knock on it. Don't do influencer. 
um, because you're not going to bring, you, you're not going to build a community of really um, vested evangelistic people around that um, outside of maybe a few very, very domain specific uh, channels or creators that you want to partner with. Right. So let's 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 take my example. It's a boring financing model for uh, purchasing pre-owned vehicle. You want to go into influencer. It's not going to be broad. Um, you might want to connect with a handful of automotive shows. Maybe, maybe. But then what you want is you're not just going to want to pay for some kind of integration. You're going to want to do something meaningful um, and you're going to like strip down the, the walls between what's influencer, what's what's event, what is, um, you know, event sponsorship. Um, you you want to do something meaningful, you know, you sponsor an event with a bunch of automotive creators um, that is going to create content that's going to live on its own. It's going to be valuable on its own. It's actually going to give back to the community on its own. And you can be a part of that. But you want to be you want to be a character on a stage with them. Your audience is watching the play that you get to participate. You're not the lead. Um, you're not even the main soloist. Um, you're, you're an important B-level player in the in the midst of something else. So, like that's if if, if you want to step into that, do like you step into influencer, do it that way. Get creative with it. Um, Instagram, YouTube has just and I, and I say this as an agency that done, does this. At some point, we're going to hit peak influencer at what the audience is actually going to tolerate. We can only have so many. Hey guys, this week I'm teaming up with Brand X. Um, listen, I love Brand X. I use it in the shower. I use it when I'm running. You know, we can only handle so much of that. Audiences are going to tune out to influencer the same way we've all tuned out to TV ads because nobody gives a shit whether it's a downy soft or bounce or whatever. We don't care. We don't know. It doesn't drive our decisions anymore and you're going to see influencer um, go the same way if we're not careful so my advice to a small brand is figure out a community that you want to be involved in figure out a persona that's capturing your ideal audience and then figure out how to legitimately meaningfully meaningfully participate in that community that was a whole bunch of goodness and the one thing i want to call out especially and dive a little bit deeper into is that eventually influencer just like almost any other tactic will get saturated and outdated and become less effective if i'm an early brand in 2021 end of the year like we're talking about right now how much longer do i have before it gets too much like you're talking about this inevitable like tipping point where it becomes too much Well, okay, a really good question. Look, I've been, every year we go to VidCon, which is the big, you know, YouTube influencer confab um, in Anaheim, and I've we've been going for six years. And every year I hear um, very well thought of credentialed people giving talks that this year is when we hit peak influencer, right? Every single year. Look, I don't know. I don't have any idea how long you have. Um, here's what I know: that authenticity matters, and inauthenticity doesn't. Um, there's an interesting dynamic that we see, um, in, in, in the Twitch space. Um, all right. Twitch space is gamers. Uh, gamers, gamers are tribal. Uh, gamers are rabid. 
Gabers are savage to anyone who has not earned their spot in the tribe. Um, and, and, and it's, and it's fun. Like it's, you know, from a sociological standpoint, I'm not a gamer, but it's absolutely fascinating. Um, people call, you know, gamer cop, you know, culture toxic, right? No, it's not toxic at all. Um, it, it's actually, it goes far, far deeper. And if you can get past the foul language and the, the body joking, you actually see an element that's really, really interesting, which is this is a corner of our common space that a community has carved out for itself. Uh, it has its own norms, it has its own rules, um, and it has its own um, mode of interacting and, and it has, and it has its own value system. Right. So, and, and, and then they've, they've been able, like they've legitimately been able to create, and I, I know I'm using the word community a ton, but it actually, there isn't another better word for it because it actually is community. Um, you know, and we saw this particularly during the pandemic, you know, Friday night, you know, kids online and they're, playing a game and it's like why don't you go hang out with your friends like we can you know we can still get together in small groups it's like i am hanging out with my friends my friends are online they're in you know their relationships are online and they're interacting in a very very real world and it is as as real as a group of pre-internet kids running through the neighborhood playing capture the flag it isn't any different i like the running through the neighborhood playing capture the flag better but that's just my age speaking and that's my my own biases and predilections. So we, where was I going with all this? Um, okay, when are we gonna hit peak influencer? All right, so the Twitch space. The Twitch space is super tribal, and but there is a really re meaningful um, community that has its own rites of passages, right? So a brand will step into that and if they wanna dabble and be like, hey, we just wanna, you know, we wanna throw a couple ads up there um, and we wanna work with a couple streamers and we want them to shout us out and we're gonna treat this like any YouTube channel. Don't, don't do it. Um, because this is a community that will chew you up until you earn your right to be there, until you earn your stripes. You actually have to come in with a certain degree of commitment and saying, we are gonna support this activity, we're gonna support this, this streamer and we're gonna be here in for the long haul. And we actually, this was something that we measured. We brought a brand into the Twitch space and we were actually looking at um, um, audience sentiment and um, you know we were we basically were able to rank the the positive negative um, emotion so initially it was like very much who the hell is this coming in who do they think they are but and like and it was super toxic the longer we stayed the better the comments we got and then we actually got them to the place where through our own brand lift studies and marketing studies we had this brand to be the number one preferred brand in its category among um, the entire gaming community. And this was, I mean, this was a massive study. This was like 15,000 participants. Like, like we actually did it right. And we got them to the top, but it was like, that was like a eight month progress. Now this is a community that's really, really valuable to this brand. So they went into it. The point is um, that there, there are authentic spaces on the internet. Twitch is one of them. It's really hard to get into, but nevertheless, it is an authentic space. Say what you will about, you know, the toxicity or the language or the, the style of joking. It's an authentic space. Um, and there are other and there are other places like that on the Internet. You can get into these communities and you can do it in a real way. But if you do not have if you do not police yourself on the authenticity piece, then yeah, it's you're going to burn out your audience. Um, you have some Instagrammer who's a Oh, God, I saw this um, recently, I think it was somebody who had kind of 
I don't know whether she would participated in the Olympic trials at some point, or it was just like a really like well-known track runner or whatever. I, I don't even know. She may have been a gymnast. I don't remember what she was. Anyways, she literally is in the stands holding a, uh, a bottle of fabric softener. And it's like, man, like these guys just really power me through to my, like, no, they don't. No, they don't. You don't care about this. This is so patently transactional and they paid you and they got this post and it doesn't matter. So to answer your question, you know what the timeline, you know, what's going to determine the timeline, what's going to determine the timeline is whether creators actually police themselves. And it is, and it's going to be whether brands police themselves as well. Like, how much am I actually requiring? Am I asking this creator to talk about why my brand matters to me? Um, because I use the a special, you know, microphone in my headphones, and that's the value proposition that I really care about. And this is what differentiates us from five other headphone companies. Like, no, nobody's going, nobody cares about that. If it matters to the creator. If they're a nerd and they're like, no, this is a really good microphone, look at, uh, you know, like, that's fine. But it has to matter to the creator. If it doesn't, if you're just wanting them to pitch what matters to you, don't bother. Because it's not going to move the needle at all. And you're going to actually get a product that is, um, that is, that is far poorer. Um, so... The, the other the other piece of advice, sorry, this is going to be a little bit off topic, but it's like, you know what's going to extend the efficacy of the entire influencer space? Um, if brands are actually solving something meaningful um, with whatever their products are, um, that this is not just some, you know, we're going to exploit some market opportunity because we've got a VC portfolio and there are dollars to be earned here and we've got a process and we can throw X toward paid social and we can throw Y towards influencer and we can just churn this out and we're going to be able to develop, you know, see a 32.45 ROAS and that's going to sat that's going to hit the right thresholds for what our investors are expecting, et cetera. Like, some of that stuff can, but it's like, I mean, the folks that I'm interested in working with, um, they, they legitimately care about their product and they legitimately feel like their product has fundamentally made their lives better and made the world a different place. Um, you know, one of the projects that we're working on right now that I'm really, really excited about is with a crypto exchange. Um, well, the crypto exchange is changing stuff. They've got a really interesting story. They are under incredible pressure right now to get it right. Um, they are under incredible pressure from regulators um, that aren't telling them what the regulations are. And so they just have to figure it out. They're under pressure from banks that are terrified these guys are going to take their business. Um, they're under incredible uh, you know, pressure from investors. And, and yet at the end of the day, and, and then there's a massive amount of competition, right? But at the end of the day, you have a product that is actually fundamentally changing people's lives and less so in the US because it's it's you know we have a more stable currency and we have less of an authoritarian government you go around the world you look at what someone's able to do and what it's meant what it's what is a crypto exchange meant for somebody in Lebanon over the last 12 months? What's it meant for somebody in Cyprus over the last 12 months? What's it meant for somebody in half a dozen um, South American countries, um, half a dozen uh, countries in Africa whose currency is is one of the fundamental roadblocks to a stable existence and like i mean you put it in that context and it's like we as americans take so many things for granted right you put it in that context um this is this is something that legitimately matters that's the kind of product that i want to work on influencer because there's a story to tell that fundamentally changes some something um there was a 
and this this goes to another bit of advice where it's like, yeah, like if your brand doesn't have a really compelling story that actually is going to matter to somebody, don't ask an influencer to tell it. Because if we all know what a good story is, like all of us have at least come across a good story at some point in our lives, you're capable of identifying what's a good story and what's what's just sales. If you're if you're if your brand does not have a good story to tell about why it matters, then don't don't ask someone else to do it for you. And even, you know, and, and then you solve that by throwing a lot of money at them. Like that isn't, that isn't okay. Um, figure out other ways to market yourself. So anyways, I, I don't know how long we have. I've been hearing peak influencer for a while. I think we still have a pretty good runway because I think there are enough people who want to see this space be authentic and who call out BS when they see it. Um, we're working on the brand side where it's like, no, you can't go to the, you can't go to the creators with that. Um, it's inauthentic. It feels cheap. Uh, it feels salesy. Go rent some time on the home shopping network if this is the approach that you want to take. Um, and, 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 and so we police that. I know that there are creators that are policing each other where they'll DM each other and be like, hey, man, like this seems absolutely cheap. And you're actually defiling um, our entire space when you do stuff like this. Um, structurally, though, we've got a lot. We've, we've got plenty of runway. Um, influencers are real. It's how people are consuming media. Um, the you can't you can't spend effectively on tv the ways the way that you used to you can still spend a lot but you know when you're looking at a 30 percent reduction in the efficacy of what's an 80 billion dollar industry those are a lot of dollars that can't go to tv anymore um they need to go somewhere and my my hope is that the influencer space as a whole agencies brands and creators recognize that this is something really valuable and we actually need to be incredibly careful how we what we do with people's attention right and i think that there's there's a fundamental morality lesson there of like i've got your attention right now i need to actually be careful with that that comes with a certain degree of responsibility i mean what we're seeing play out right now is what happens when a company um facebook just take someone's attention for granted and treats it as a commodity. Well, what happens is they turn people into nothing more valuable than that attention segment that they can sell advertising against. That's a fundamental flaw of Facebook's business model. And it's why they're ultimately going to abuse people and have abused people. Um, even if maybe abuse is a, is a strong word, but at the end of the day, if they know that they are manipulating people and that their activity is deleterious, um, like that, that is a problem. And all Facebook did was took certain elements that existed within the publishing world. Um, and, and, made it more efficient and more accessible and, and, and scaled it up. It was the exact same thing with, you know, magazines, you know, in like certain, certain kinds of content pre pre-internet. But anyways, all, all that to say, it's like, no, it, it, the attention that someone is giving your show, the assumption that the attention that anytime anyone's staring at a screen, that that's a responsibility. You take that responsibility seriously. You don't mess around with that. And you take that responsibility, you're actually going to be a credible brand that people will respect and get behind. You abuse that responsibility, you'll get thrown in the dust heap of a whole bunch of other has-beens that are just trying to churn out um, their incremental little, you know, 0.8% growth year over year so we can, you know, the founders can get their EBITDA over 6%. Like it's... It, Anyway, all right. Sorry, I'll stop, Matt. No, I love it. I'm learning so much and listening. Um, but thank you for all that. So a few things from that. Uh, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation. It takes one minute to destroy it. And I think that just like 
heart like helps summarize kind of what you've been getting at with the brand and especially the Twitch gamers. I I play League of Legends like I'm a gamer like I, I'm in that space. I get it. So what you're saying is like super resonating with me. Uh, so like yes, all of that like you can't just give them a free product and expect them to promote your business and brand grow your brand for you not gonna work got right. it right well in in the league of the league of legends community is a fantastic like that's that i mean that's a community within a community right so for those outsiders those of us who aren't gamers they're like oh it's the gaming audience like no no no, no. <laughs> it's not the gaming audience it is the league of legend audience it's the call of duty audience it's the fortnite audience it's all very different and then there's segmentation even within that um and that's something we as an agency have, have had to figure out but it's like I mean, you gotta. You have to have someone on your team, whether you're an agency or a brand, who's willing to go native. Um, and, and maybe that's a that's somewhat antiquated term, but it's actually really, really useful here. Where it's like you're an outsider, and you have to figure out what it actually means to be a member of this this tribe, this community. Yeah. So from from your your you guys are the guides, the partners to these brands, trying to integrate and build <laughs> these partnerships. What's the first step to like taking that entrance into that community properly and doing it with respect to build a successful, yeah. like what's that first, what does that look like? Yep. First step is, is um, the old Socratic dictum, know thyself, um, know who you are, know what you're about. Um, if you are, if you, if you're a brand that would legitimately entertain um, late night infomercials, that is awesome. Lean into that. Like that is, that is Okay. Like I like rotisserie chicken in the Ronco automatic or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever that like rotisserie, you know, I, I forget what it's. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Um, it's, 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 if you're, if you're a, there are certain vacuum cleaner brands that ought to be right. Um, like know, know yourself, know your product, know, know what you can do realistically, know what you can't. Um, once you know yourself, know the community that you're stepping into. And actually take the time to do your homework and research. Don't don't simply step in, assume, be like, hey, guys, I have a dollar. I want to throw this dollar around in exchange for you saying something about my brand. Um, there, there, there's something that is there's so many. We get this outreach emails all the time where it's like, hey, creator, I know that you can completely be bought for money. These are the 10 things I want you to say. And this is what I'm willing to pay you. And it's like, wait. Are at any point in this process are you going to ask whether they believe it? Like, be be real. And, and there are some brands that are like that. that hey, like, okay. First step, like once you've done that, you know the crew, you know the audience. Then you're going to ship product. Be like, hey, we're sending this to you. No strings attached. Um, if you if you like it and you want to have a conversation about what a partnership would look like, great. Uh, if not, it's yours you know, good on you and, and we'll, we'll keep it there. Now I know that there are a lot of bigger creators that that's not going to work for because they're getting hammered <laughs> with just product all the time. Um, you're going to need to be a little bit more crafty there. It's like, yeah, you send an email where it's like, Hey, we like what you're doing. This is what we are. We want to genuinely authentically come in, support your work. And we want to support your community. What can we do? Um, what can we do to support the community that we have around you? Um, so it's a, it's a woodworking channel or a maker channel. Cool. What, what, what can they actually do? What do you, what do you as a creator need and what would you like to be able to give away? Um, 
maybe you want to come in and participate and you want to set up some scholarships for trade schools. Um, and we, you want to pick audience members to kind of win these scholarships at trade schools. I don't, I don't know, whatever, come in and do something meaningful to a community. Right. Um, so yeah, first step, know yourself. Second step, know the, know, know the tribe that you want to get into. And then third, have legitimate conversations with creators about how you can actually come in and contribute to um, contribute to that community. Um, and with smaller influencers, seeding product is great, but don't just leave it at there. Like the, like, the, yeah, like everyone's figuring this out. They're getting hammered with product all the time. Do something unique, do something, uh, do something useful. Um, actually offer to help. Um, I, and I, I want to say there was a, book I read or listened to years ago, I think it was one of the Seth Godin ones, but he's like, look, the best, the best marketing strategy that you possibly have is figure out who your community is and then say, go, how can I help you? And I'm probably butchering it. It was 15 years ago that I listened to it, but that's what I got out of it. So if Seth Godin didn't say that and I just came up with it, then I will take <laughs> that credit back. Um, but yeah, how, how, how can I help you? How, how can we actually enhance your community? And we, we've got like the smarter brands are the ones that are coming to us. We're like, hey, this is who we are. Um, we like this space and we want to support these communities. How do we how do we do it? And and like, that's brilliant. Like those guys, they are dispositionally set up to actually enter influencer well. The challenge in this space right now is one paid social because the changes in iOS 14 is becoming less effective. TV is less effective. Podcast is super expensive. Um, and, and, and influencers getting a whole lot more expensive. And yet brands right now are absolutely flush with cash for a whole variety of reasons. Um, at least the brands that we're interacting with because um, people didn't spend $30 billion in gasoline last year. And so the household has more disposable income than it's had in a long time, at least the average. Um, so they're like, I got to spend this money efficiently. Um, it's typically the wrong. I understand why you're asking that question. I understand why that's the problem that you have to solve. Um, that is a that is a poor foundation from which to engage the influencer space. Um, it's it, it will not serve you in the long run. You have to step back and and re, be very deliberate and thoughtful about like what are the communities that we want to support. So when you when brands and I'm my t-shirt brand it's eco-friendly it's not but this is a made-up scenario i'm at 500k sure. in revenue eco-friendly i've like water dyes i've 100 compostable packaging all this stuff like <laughs> how is there a timeline is there an estimated range you give even potential clients of like look this investment is going to take x amount of dollars product time and duration like is there even like a baseline that you could even throw out or can you help uh help guide my fake brand to like figure out what i should do uh starting yeah. off so uh, oftentimes i mean a brand a brand that has 500k in top line revenue shouldn't be in the influencer space in all likelihood unless it is a brand that really really lends itself to a certain community um so all right it's a bamboo shirt um because it, it, we're going to say it's a bamboo shirt, that's why it's eco-friendly, and it has certain um, scent-killing properties uh, that actually are really going to matter, right? Um, who needs that? Uh, fishing community, probably. Um, they're the ones who are super interested in that, right? So 
here's what you're going to do. Um, you are going to figure out exactly who your target is. You're going to do that through paid social and you're going to max out what you can spend on paid social. You're going to get your creative right. Um, you're going to, um, you're, you're, you're going to, you're going to spend appropriately on creative and you're going to spend appropriately on paid social. When you are maxing that out and you cannot effectively spend any more while hitting your target return on ad spend, your ROAS, um, that's when you start looking at influencer. First thing that you're going to do is you're going to, um, step into probably TikTok. Um, TikTok space is super cheap and you're going to start using and sourcing TikTok, um, for UGC, uh, for user generated content. You're going to offer 50 bucks and you're going to send product out your after 50 bucks for someone to take a series of, you know, you find a TikTok creator that you like. In fact, better yet, there are actually platforms that you can just put this out there. You get inbound and see what you get. That's going to be your, your lowest cost, you know, in terms of your own internal resources, um, way to go about it. Um, next you're then going to find, you know, creators in your community that you like their look, you like their vibe and be like, Hey, uh, you know, we want to, we want to pay you for a certain number of posts and videos that is transactional. It's okay because you're not asking them to push it out to their channel. You're taking it, you're using it as user generated content. You're running paid social behind it through your handle. Like that's all totally cool. You see it does well. You see that your audience resonates with that. And actually, and it's still hitting your ROAS. Cool. Now you go partner with that creator. And now it's like, we, we dig you. And now then you want to get a couple of lookalike audience creators. Um, you're able to do that. There are tools to, to be able to be able to do that. And then and then you start to figure out, now you're getting to the point where you actually need to start to figure out how to interact with this community, right? So let's say, again, it's a, it's a fishing community. Tons of, tons of, tons of big money in that community. A lot of big brands. You have your Bass Pro and your Cabela's and Sims and, you know, all of that, right? Right. Um, that said, um, there's also that's an activity that tends to have a a member that spends more of their disposable income on that activity. Right. Um, people people will spend a lot of money. That's a super valuable. So if you figure out how to get into that, you know, what you do um, you're going to get a couple fishing creators, both on TikTok and Instagram and, and YouTube. And you're going to come up with your own fishing tournament. And the fishing tournament is, um, you know, you offer it out to audiences and like, you know, come come beat us in this bass fishing tournament at, you know, wherever uh, on this lake. Here's where we're meeting. This is the prize money. And you legitimately contribute to the community and the whole thing sponsored by your shirt. Like that's what you can do. You're not going to do that when you're at 500k top line like sorry you need you, you you need to be very very tactical and you need to protect your um your your working capital when you get big enough though that's when you start to do influencer um and there, there there's a there's a progression there that you know if someone needs to rewind a few minutes yeah yeah can pick oh, up no, that was excellent uh breakdown and intro there it is good to hear that you're telling me i shouldn't be worrying about influencer yet and you're telling me I shouldn't be worrying about that yet. Not ever, just not yet. Like you're saying right now, yeah. there's generally higher leverage tactics and levers to pull. And so that's important. For, uh, 100%. I think uh, I just want to like reiterate for anyone listening, like just because something's not right for you this second and like at this point in time doesn't mean it's not right ever. So just take what you're listening through your podcast that you're listening to like five a week to like learn how to do e-commerce stuff. Not every single tactic you can do right away. <laughs> so if, if you are a 500 K year brand right now, save this podcast, come back in a year, listen to Joel's breakdown of all this stuff, but it's good to uh, keep it in mind. What's um, I wanted to get a little into the weeds and I know it varies so much. 
Um, but what are some general starting points, uh, references in terms of that content exchange, uh, in terms of pricing and per post and all that? Uh, is there like a, a CPM? Is it like a content? Is it so variable that I'm not even asking the right question? Um, like, tell, tell me, talk to me a little no, bit more no. about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a fair question. There, there are ranges. Um, and I would say it's going to be really dependent on what your brand is and the verticals that you want to break into. Um, on YouTube and on Instagram, uh, women's lifestyle, makeup, beauty, um, those are the most expensive verticals. Why? Because these companies, these lipstick companies, it costs them two cents to make that thing of lipstick and they can sell it for $34. You, they're, you know, 90% of their costs are in their, um, in their marketing, right? So obviously the laws of supply and demand, which are going to dictate that that's going to drive up the value. Like you have the entire, um, you know, magazine industry, which predated, um, you know, everything that we're doing here predated Instagram, but like that's completely built on the fact that, um, makeup and beauty companies have a very, very low cost basis when it actually comes to their product inputs and they can spend ridiculous amounts of money on, on marketing, right? That's just how that works. So, um, who you're going to, who you're going to dig into and the communities that you want to get into are going to determine where, where those prices are. It is not uncommon on, uh, you know, we use, we use CPM, um, but we can, we can interchange that easily with CPV. Um, it, it is not uncommon for makeup, beauty, women's lifestyle channels on YouTube to be well over a hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Um, and, 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 and even, I mean, I've, I've seen, I've seen well north of 200 for some of them as well. Um, and then on the other end of that, you're going to have certain verticals and certain channels that are, you can very consistently run a really, really solid campaign at a sub $15 CPM. Um, it is, it is both and, and it really depends on who you want, whether you're willing to target. Um, do you just want volume? Do you just want clicks? Do you just want views? Um, or do you actually want some kind of meaningful brand association with the creator? Answer that question first, because that's going to tell you what you can actually stomach. Um, if this is just a pure play acquisition channel, that's fine. You just need to be very, very cool being associated with certain channels that might not have anything to do with your brand, reflect your brand in any way, reflect any kind of your brand persona. And just like, don't, don't go gripe to, you know, your 25 year old, uh, marketing, um, associate who's you threw your influencer to that. It's like, wait a minute, why are that? Why are we associated with this kind of content? It's like, well, you told me this was an acquisition channel. This is what it looks like. Um, anyways, yeah. So it is all over the place. It is going to be vertical, um, dependent. Um, there's, there's benefit to packaging, um, for sure. Um, you find somebody on YouTube and then you ask them, that's going to be the bulk of it, but you ask them to throw in an Instagram story or a reel or what have you, or, or, you know, something on TikTok. Um, and you can typically get those others, you know, for a, you know, so that, that collectively it all kind of wakes up, works out. This is what's interesting though, about both, you know, particularly the YouTube space because YouTube is more evergreen, um, you know, certainly than Instagram, whatever Instagram, it's nice because it's super measurable. You get all your view. If it's a story, you get all your views in 24 hours, you know, whether it works or not, you know, whether you can repeat, like, that's awesome. YouTube much longer tail. Um, the beauty about YouTube is it almost doesn't matter where you start, uh, at whatever your target CPM is. I don't care if it's $150, give it, give it time. 
give it six to eight months, you will be below $20 CPM. It's amazing that that like, you know, $17 to $20 CPM range for YouTube is like a magnet that's just going to suck everything down. And it's simply because where you have more and more audience always coming in um, to that space. And eventually it's going to, you know, especially on a, on a holistic campaign level, it's just going to pull that all down to that $17 to $20 um, range, you know, which is a 1.7 to, to, to two cents CPV. Fascinating. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm learning a lot about influencers. So I, I wish I was sitting here taking all these notes, but I'm definitely going to be, uh, re-listening to this. So <laughs> for you, Joel, what is your favorite problem to solve when a brand comes to you? What's like, Oh, like that's a, a challenge, but it's exciting. Like what, lights what like lights you up at this point and you've been in this game for a while you've, you've seen a lot of you've done a lot of work you've been through a lot of partnerships and with a lot of brand, different brands but like at this point now what's an exciting challenge for you no i mean in the abstract it's just that it's someone that actually has a problem to solve and it's a problem that's not of their own making that they can't correct themselves right so um we had a well-known um it, and I'm going to start with the example of what I don't want to try and solve. There is a very, very well-known food conglomerate that happens to have a specific patent on a specific kind of wheat berry and wheat seed um, that then is able to take a certain kind of pesticide and they may or may not be owned by a massive German pharmaceutical um, that has a somewhat torrid past and i'm not going to say who it is because this is your podcast not mine um but they're they're they also had a reputation for suing small farmers um who had this wheat on their fields even though you know there are such things as birds and wind that were capable of taking these wheat across actual boundary lines and lo and behold neither the birds nor the wind bothered to consult uh, the property boundaries and the legal description of these fields and they, they spread this so this company has a reputation of suing these guys and and basically bankrupting small farmers all this to say um it, it is well you can make the case that they've made um you know certain foods way more affordable way more uh accessible and have done a whole lot to alleviate hunger throughout the world you can also really make the case that they're a very evil corporation there's certainly the reputation among those who bother to know such things as a pre pretty pretty diabolical corporation they came to us because they needed influencers to help them clean out their image we said we're not going to talk to you go like you you want you want to have influencers advocate for you go be a better company give them actually something to talk about like we, we don't want to talk about your technology when you're suing small farmers. Go screw yourself. Um, and like that's literally how the conversation went. Um, and normally we would be far more diplomatic and like not burn bridges. People like I, I threw gasoline and torched yep. that bridge. Go screw yourselves. Um, so don't come to me because you've been a bad company and you need to go fix your reputation. Now, that said it should come as no surprise that the internet can be an unfair space um, to brands that through no fault of their own are getting hammered and have a, uh, have had some kind of reputational um, loss or there's a problem that they simply can't fix. There's a credibility problem that they cannot fix. That's the problem I absolutely love to solve. So um, I'll give you an example. We were, um, and I, I think I can talk about this openly. Um, 
we were working with 23andMe, um, which is, you know, your, your own personal DNA, uh, DNA testing, right? This is at a time um, not long after we started working with 23andMe, um, uh, what was the name of it? Like the Golden State Killer had got like, this is like this unsolved serial murderer in California where the 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 um the case finally got cracked because the guy's sister had submitted her dna to an open source like go find my relatives kind of database right um and so now it's like oh my goodness like there's all these privacy issues there's law enforcement um and to boot like who's the biggest investor of 23 and me well it's google because it was you know founded by with google dollars and and wajitski was you know the, the former wife of one of them um Sergey for him. Um, anyway, um, so they've got this this huge credibility issue, right? They're like people are obviously terrified. One, law enforcement are tracking down people because you know through their DNA. Two, there are all sorts of privacy issues. And how is Google going to you know what are they going to do with this? What are they actually going to do with my DNA sample? They're telling me it's just a you know these are the things that we're going to code for. We don't code for anything else. How do we actually know, mm -hmm. right? So what do we do there? Well, this is where influencer is beautiful. Is this is where you actually do have the opportunity to leverage leverage someone else's hard earned credibility and do so for your own brand if you're willing to do it so we we did a partnership with a creator um who basically was like at the beginning of the video he's like this is the deal these are the terms under which i do it i get to ask any question i want of anybody i want in the organization and i get to publish whatever i am told and i will only say something if i can independently verify that it's true right Something to that effect. So this person goes to the lab and we watch the, the process of a DNA sample coming in through FedEx, where it goes from FedEx and we follow all the way to the lab until the, 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 the vial or the, you know, the, the sample is actually destroyed. Um, like the spit tube is, is legitimately destroyed. Um, and, and he was able to be like, look, I'm, this is actually really important research. Like this is, this is the next wave of how we cure diseases. Um, like, you know, and he was able to talk like we're in an impasse right now because 80% of all pharmaceuticals are totally ineffective. Um, and, and the vast majority of those are going to have adverse reactions. We as a society cannot continue just doing these blanket carpet bomb pharmaceuticals um, and actually expect us to get better and get sicker. Like the next wave of legitimately good pharmaceuticals is, has to be targeted. It has to be DNA. The only way that we're going to get that is if we have enough anonymized data within it. So he's able to really make the case like this is important for us as a family. That said, if you want your sample destroyed, and not using any further research here it is i'm going to verify it and i'm willing to put my credibility on the line to make sure that knows so that was a problem that we got to solve we got to solve a huge credibility issue um for people who and it was really interesting right because 23andme they had total penetration into the coastal npr crowd coastal npr crowd is like yep we trust big science we trust big um big pharma and we're gonna hop right on with that and we're gonna comply you see the exact same patterns happening right now um with with covid vaccinations that crowd hops on the npr crowd hops on what they what was the where their challenge was was middle america it's like a little bit more suspicious of like what are you folks actually doing with this you know you 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 don't have a perfect record of being careful with people's privacy and careful with people's data right that's not that, that's a very that is it, i i very much understand someone who holds that position that tends to be a little bit uh more suspicious of big anything right you know whatever they just and and, and not they're, they're, it's not unfounded. So anyways, 
that's who we needed to appeal to. And that's who we're actually able to. We were able to get that population and be like, no, this is cool. Like, this is actually, this is a good thing. Um, I actually find out really important things about me that really matter. I, I get to know whether I've got something that codes for Alzheimer's and I get to know it at an age where I can actually do something about it so that I'm not walking around and I'm 68 years old and I forget all my kids' names or whatever, right? And like, it's a horrible, and I'm not trying to make light of it. It's an awful disease. I can actually find that out now and I can get to do something. That was a really meaningful thing. And we had to get people over the privacy hump to be like, no, like at the other end of this, like this is safe. There's a safe passage to come through and in the privacy piece, like this is taken care of and there's something really meaningful at the other end of it. So I like to solve, I like to solve problems of perception. I like to solve problems of, um, you know, reputation. I also like to solve story problems where there actually is a really interesting story and it's, and it's difficult to get um, someone to care. Like, uh, like a company that I actually want to work for, like, I, cause I think this is legitimately fascinating. Um, and I've used this example before, so I'll do it again. Um, I, the company I like, to, I would love to work for is actually Verizon. Not because I like the, the network, not because I have great service, because I don't. Like, I, too many times they, they drop mine. But, but here's what I like about Verizon. Verizon's actually done stuff with their network that is legitimately solving problems and massively reducing waste, particularly food waste, right? Because they've been able to basically put a sensor in the fisherman's um, hold that's monitoring um, temperature and actually can can establish a, a, a chain of custody for that fish before it gets to the grocery store that guarantees that that fish is completely fresh, right? Um, like that's actually a really cool story. Now it's boring because it's grocery stores and it's fish and it's fishermen and it's a digital sensor that's connected to a Verizon network. But you tell that story, right? And you bring the right influencer on to tell that story. And, and it kills me. And I'm bringing that up because I saw this. This was a this was a piece of content that Verizon was, was running is a YouTube ad. And the last time I saw it, it had like 108,000 views or something like that. Um, this is a couple years ago. Um, it had like brutal views and they had paid for all of them. And it's like, guys, like we could have gotten you millions of views for far less money if you had let somebody tell that story. Like you get the right creator, you send them on the boat, you get them talking to the fishermen. There's particularly, especially if the fisherman is like, you know, has like a Boston abscess and he's, you know, we were going to get lobster and like, like go there, do that. Get it, get, make interesting content, partner with a creator that's going to make interesting content and you're going to get to tell your story. And like, so, so what I, what I like is I like brands who have, um, have the humility to be like, Hey, we just spent all this money and we didn't actually had nobody cared. Nobody told it like, cool. Let's, let's, let's start over. Um, you're, you're still going to spend a lot of money, but actually someone's going to listen this time and we're going to, we're going to package it in a way that people actually care. And we're going to get someone who's talented at telling a story to tell your story compellingly. I, I, I dig that as well. That's awesome. Uh, I love that point about like educating the brands about no matter the problem and the excitement or not, there's a way to spin it and get your message across more authentically, more to the right people. That isn't just blasting paid social. So last last question, we're starting yeah. to wrap up and wind down a little bit, even though I could go all day listening about this stuff. How does one transition a brand? How does how do I transition from maxing out paid social to influencer? Do I do it all myself? Do I find a freelancer? Do I find an agency? What would be your advice to someone that is ready for influencer uh, after these other channels for sure um when you're seeding um uh, I mean, you're in that phase where you're seeding product do it yourself 
um, hire hire somebody. Don't try and go hire an agency. You don't need to. Um, when you're in the phase, and 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 ideally, you've got somebody who will be involved. Um, you know, whether it's a product person or marketing person, that's actually going to be there on hand. Like you're you're going to start you're going to start connecting with some meaningful creators that you actually want to build a relationship with as a brand. Um, to have someone who's relatively senior involved. Um, or at least on hand to get pulled into that because you know you want to leverage those. Um, when you are using influencer uh, to source UGC and starting to you know test their content uh, in your own paid social and it can then for evaluate that, um, do that yourself. Um, when it comes to actually scaling up your influencer, you've maxed up your paid social and now you really need to start um, engaging the influencer com community and you need to start spending real dollars. There, there, there are some companies that have done it well themselves. Um, however, this is the risk that a lot of brands do not understand when they try and do it in-house is you got, you got, let's say your influencer team is three people. Um, and they start, they go out and they start building many meaningful relationships. You know, what's going to happen to those three people. Um, they're going to leave and they're going to go somewhere else inevitably. Like, and you just, all those relationships that you just paid them to develop are now gone and someone else is benefiting. So you just paid potentially your competitor, um, to, you know, basically build relationships that are not easily transferable. Um, it's hard to get to creators and it's hard to get to, you know, the really good talent managers. Um, they've got, they've got plenty of work. So this is, and I know this is going to sound wholly and completely self-serving because I happen to run an influencer agency, but at the end of the day, look, we've, you know, a good influencer agency is going to be working with several thousand creators over the course of the year. Um, they're, they have deep relationships and they're buying for a whole bunch of other brands, right? So one, they're going to have good data, whether they can share it with you or not, they're going to have really good data. They know who works. Um, more importantly, they know who doesn't work. They know where the landmines are. They know which managers are toxic. They know which managers are going to take a huge or which networks are going to take a huge commission. The creator's not actually getting what you think that you're paying them. Like they're going to know who to avoid. Um, they're also going to have a certain degree of pricing power because they found a creator that works well. And they've got eight other brands that they're running with the same creator. Um, that also puts them in possession to, you know, if, if, if you're, if the activation is time sensitive at all, it needs to go live before, um, you know, June 10th, because we're hitting dad, grads and dads and whatever, like, well, they've actually got the leverage to be able to push on that and prioritize yours over somebody else's because they're buying enough volume. So this is where I, I, I would say use an agency. Um, there are a lot of good ones out there. There are some shady ones. Um, the shady ones tend to get called out. Do your research on social media. Like this is one of the things where you actually can talk to a handful of people in the industry and you know who's got the good reputation. Um, and and because this is this is a relatively small community. Um, you know, it's it's enough people that we can gather every year at the third floor of the Anaheim Convention Center and we all go to the bar together and we know each other. Um, so. It isn't if someone wants to do some research, it's not actually difficult to find out who the good players are in the space. Joel, that was amazing. Appreciate that insight on that last answer, but the whole episode as well. Go ahead, plug away. Where do you want to point people to? Uh, point into website, Twitter. What do you want to share? Where do you want to, if they want to talk to you more? Yeah, uh, websites outloudgroup.com if you're interested. Um, more than happy to have a conversation. Awesome.
And we, I mean, yeah, I, I, we pride ourselves on giving away a whole bunch of free advice. Um, and I, I want, I want people to be, I want, I want brands to be successful and we might not be the right fit. And that's not like, that's not a miss. Um, you might not be ready for influencer. That's not a miss. Like we want, we want folks who are coming into this space to be ready to be the right fit. So, but I'll, we'll share whatever ideas we can about what ought to do. Awesome. Influencer guys out loudgroup.com. Thanks again, Joel, so much. Appreciate your time and insight and everyone else. I'll catch you guys next week.